Company Watch Financial Analytics. Welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. We are recording today's episode on the morning of Monday, the 2nd of August. Um, our topics this week are looking at some Bank of England um, inflation um, statistics. I think we're we're expecting the MPC to meet on Thursday this week. Is that right? The 5th? Or that's yes. when we get the minutes. Anyway, I think they normally meet a little bit earlier. Um, and, you know, as we've said in the past, I think that 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 whole debate around inflation and where, where it's going, I think, has moved on quite considerably from, from where the Bank of England were earlier in the year. Um, also some news on HMRC and their approach to um, starting enforcement action again. So Nick's got some quite interesting um, comments to, to make around, around that. And also this, in the insolvency statistics, we're starting to see the first hints, really. I mean, as we've, we've seen, I suppose, since, since the back end of last year, that increase in um, involuntary liquidations. Now we're, we're starting to see the, the statistics really um showing that that is something that we've got to be watch, watching out for. And then finally, we'll have a look at a few construction um, and travel sector um, pointers to, again, perhaps again, this, this idea that these are the, the canaries in the coal mine of, of what might be um, ahead for, for people who've got risk in these sectors and read across into, into other sectors that have been affected. So, Nick, shall we start with these Bank of England inflation um, questions? We can. Of course, we, we didn't cover this. I mean, these numbers, the detailed numbers I'm going to talk about, go back as far as the 14th of July. But we didn't cover it uh, at the time because there was so much uncertainty about where this whole trend is is heading. But uh, as you said, Joe, we've we've now, you know, the, the comment is moving on and the debate is moving on a pace. And we've got to the point where the Bank of England seems to be virtually alone in still thinking the peak will be 3%. And it's increasingly isolated in saying that they think this will be a really short-term temporary mm. blip. Um, just to take, let's, let's go through the detail and then we'll talk about some of the comment that's going on around this. Um, just to summarise, the trend in inflation, June 2021, 2.5%, and that was against a consensus forecast of 2.2% among economists. Mm-hmm. May was 2.1, February was 0.4%. So we are moving apace. And uh, yeah, the Bank of England, um, uh, rather crankily and rather quirkily perhaps, um, was blaming uh, increase in food prices and in the price of secondhand cars. I wouldn't have thought that secondhand car market was that big a part of the economy, but hey ho, what do I know? Um, and uh, one other thing that they mentioned uh, in their comments last time around um, was, of course, the likely impact, uh, the special rate of VAT in hospitality of 5% right. mm-hmm. ends on the 30th of September. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not immediately apparent to me from um, from my um, foodie activities and restaurant going recently that um, much of that 5% has been passed, cut has been passed. No, passed right. off. Um, but I mean, understandable. I suppose, I mean, I'm sure a lot more, many people aren't aren't um, resentful of that of that extra oh, no. income for for these businesses that have not suffered a, not, so, not, so so badly. Not at all. Um, and and just a couple more um, uh, detail points. Raw materials were up. Prices were up nine point one percent year on year in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that is a falling trend because it was ten point four percent in May, but it's still a heck of a rise. 
and factory gate prices were up 4.3% year on year versus 4.4% the month before. So again, it's a falling, mm-hmm. it's a falling trend. And of course, we you know we know perfectly well because of the um, labour shortages all over the economy that we are uh, you know, that, that labour rates are going through the roof. Yeah. All that talk about uh, was it Tesco um, offering its drivers a thousand pounds? You know, because yeah. they're, they're all HGV drivers. You know, the world is their oyster right now. Yeah. And so, increasing so, rates. I think there was even over the weekend, Aldi, I think, has been increasing pay rates for um, for drivers as well. And I suppose in this, we, we have got that base effect. And, you know, we've talked about this in, in the context of the US, I think, inflation numbers. Yeah. So inflation was very low last year. So we're, we're, we're kind of normalising, if you like, from a very low point. But, you know, the genie is out of the bottle in a, in a sense because we, we know that there are some structural issues with um, supply chain, for example. Yeah. So the, the, the availability of these materials, there's a danger that this won't just be a one-off correction, but that actually this will kind of continue to, to be baked, baked in. Absolutely. Baked in. It's quite interesting. Uh, Saturday's um, Telegraph uh, um, included an article um, pretty much saying that the MPC report, which we've got coming later this week, will finally concede that inflation will be as high as 4% in Q4 2021. And just remember that the last time the MPC looked at this was in May, mm. when they thought it would be 2.5%. So, you know, this is this is rattling along the tracks. Yeah. Dest- but, but I think it's fair to say destination unknown. And uh, the Telegraph also reported the chief economist at Nomura saying that he reckoned that this inflation shock was the, was going to be the biggest um, shock to the Bank of England's policymaking, uh, possibly ever. Wow. Although I would yes. have thought the two world wars might have been a point yeah. there. Um, but certainly since the uh, global financial crisis in 2009. Mm. So we will see there were also some comments, which maybe we won't get into, by another departing member of the MPC, the uh, the Dutch gentleman whose name I can't pronounce, Jan Vlich, um, who talked somewhat amusingly about um, how the Bank of England didn't need to uh, raise interest rates because of the demographics of the of the country and a whole string of other rather tactless uh, reasons why the bank wouldn't need to raise interest rates. Yeah, I mean that's, that's interesting as well. Hasn't it? There has been some signs of split in the um, in the MPC. There has been a bit of a kind of briefing. Um, mm-hmm. Battle on on both yeah. the um, the Haldane side, if you like, wanting to rein in QE and and the others who say it's too too early. So yeah, it will be really interesting actually to to read the um, the, the report on on Thursday. Let's have a look, um, Nick, now at the the news that HMRC are starting to yes. take enforcement action. Yes, um, this is this is interesting. Again, I, I picked this up from a from a tweet. Um, being a being a sad bloke, I follow all sorts of accounts. This happened to be a firm of accountants, um, big big firm up in the northwest, tweeting on the 29th of July, um, and they published a blog on their website uh, reporting that HMRC had issued a policy paper on the 30th of June, confirming that it was now restarting its debt collection work, which. Now, just to remind everybody, this is an area of um, uh, creditor ac- action and enforcement that is not in any way um, uh, restricted by 
the uh, by the government's various um, bans and and uh, hiatus uh, arrangements. So why haven't why haven't HMRC been because they, because they, they, they have an ability to sim- simply send a bailiff in, as I as mm. I well know from having once um, met one in the reception area of a company I was investigating for a bank, and had to talk him out of going in and taking walking possession of the um, uh, of of the company's machinery. Wow, wow! So um, what it is now saying, and there's no HMRC. way of knowing this, is it? I mean, that's the other thing that HMRC mm. hasn't got really got any duty to um, to report. No. that this is what they're doing. So it's very important to, as you, as you would always say, to have that dialogue and make sure that key customers and suppliers are having some dialogue with HMRC and understanding what the position is vis-a-vis yes, the because um, what HMRC are saying, what HMRC are saying is absolutely loud and clear, <coughs> is that if a company that owes the money talks to them and enters into a dialogue, they will almost certainly come to some sort of time to pay arrangement. Right. If they don't, they will visit and they will think about enforcement action. And, and this, this piece that you picked up is saying, actually, there have been already some yes. unannounced visits by HMRC. Um, anecdotally, we've, we've heard, we don't know the details of this, but anecdotally, we're, we're finding that HMRC are starting these, um, these yes, visits. Yes, they are. And, and the suggestion is that, um, if a company isn't prepared for an HMRC visit like this, they may get bounced into a time to pay arrangement they can't afford, mm. which just simply pushes the problem down down the track the line. somewhat. Yeah, so the message there then is very much to um, to, to engage with with customers, suppliers on that on your kind of critical list, and you know it may be a difficult subject to, to broach, but given that that this can change things quite dramatically, quite quickly with no notice. Um, it's definitely worth having trying to have the, the conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> and I suppose leading on to that then is these insolvency figures. And I think particularly you're interested in the Scottish um, situation, Nick. Yes. Um, I mean, we talked uh, two weeks ago about the general insolvency, um, corporate insolvency numbers for the whole of the UK, which were strikingly up. And we speculated that maybe it was a rent quarter effect because yeah. they were the numbers for June. What we've now got... Um, from the insolvency trade body uh, R3 is some, and specifically from their their local president in Scotland, is a look at the corporate insolvency numbers for Q2. Mm-hmm. So the overall company failures for Q2 2021 in Scotland were up 79% on Q1 2021 mm-hmm. and 65% on Q1 2020, which remember Gosh. is pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, yeah. And within that, which is the category that, in a, in a way, I think is the is the best indicator of what's going on, were the uh, creditor voluntary uh, um, liquidation CVLs, and they're up 131 percent in Q1 2021 versus, uh, versus Q1 2021 yeah. and versus Q1 2020, Gosh. and it's the biggest single quarterly number for CVLs for two years. So uh, as as I said to you, Joe, when I forwarded this to you um, earlier in the week, it started. Yeah. And I think it has started. So we will, and, and, you know, the, um, all the screaming publicity uh, going on in the media over the weekend about the fact that the furlough scheme wound down another notch on Saturday 
on yesterday, yeah. Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it, it is unhelpful because you know there there will be businesses out there for whom that extra ten percent contribution towards furloughed workers will certainly prompt some redundancies. Yeah, a lot of redundancies, yeah. and may ultimately make directors of companies, owners of companies, think twice about whether whether there really is a future for them out there. It, 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 it's not that it's that bigger a figure for companies. It's the sort of reminder of what's going on and the yeah. burden that they've got to bear going forward. When, you know, in many sectors, business is not back to normal. It isn't back to normal mm. and it won't be for quite some time. Yeah, I was, I, we will keep close close watch of those um, figures as they uh, as they come out. And um, yeah, as you say, it's, that's quite a, quite an eye opening um, set of stats from from R three. Should we turn to the sector? Because again, yes. that, that that again is is quite interesting. Some anecdotal, I guess, evidence on on one of the sectors, but actually looking starting to look at some um, some published figures um, from the from the travel sector. But perhaps should we should start with the construction? Yeah, construction. Um, um, uh, this was all prompted because the um, my uh, in, insolvency firm friends have started talking to me about a sudden increase in the number of cases being referred to them in the construction sector. And these are predominantly subcontractors. They're not the big boys, of course. Mm -hmm. And so I I got introduction to one of the leading um, quantity surveyors in the construction sector and had a very interesting conversation. And, And what was highlighted to me was exactly how fragile the construction supply chain is. And, and, you know, the explanation that I got was, Look, the subcontractors took a, a, a knock early in the pandemic when sites were closed and then sites were disrupted. So that's sort of April, May, maybe into June time. Mm-hmm. They then took government loans. Well, hey, who didn't? 38% yeah. of the whole country did. And they deferred that PAYE to survive, to sort of fill that gap, you know, the, the, to repair some of the damage. Only, of course, as we know, it doesn't repair it. It simply defers it. Perfect. Yeah. What's now happening is that they are incredibly exposed to the slightest cash flow shock. And this is allied to some pretty unprincipled squeezing of subcontractors by some main contractors and by small subcontractors by bigger subcontractors. There's a whole waterfall of, of, of people working with each other in this sector. And suddenly there are instances of apparently unjustified delay in, in payments to subcontractors by, by their clients and, and, and a huge increase in the number of disputed valuations of work, oh, really? which then Gosh, delays okay. payment up yeah. to, you know, brings it into the adjudication uh, system, which then, uh, you know, uh, and as, as my QS friend said to, uh, said to me, well, frankly, at the moment, you know, these adjudications are 50-50. You don't know what mm. the outcome is going to be. And the delay in payment is six months. Gosh. Six weeks. Sorry. Six, six weeks. weeks. So six weeks. But even so, I mean, that is still, <sighs> yeah, that I mean, is still significant. And you've got to remember this, you know, the, the, the subcontractors are at the sharp end of the massive increases in mm. uh, costs for both labour and materials. And also all the delays and disruptions in the supply chain. And, uh, you know, again, the, the, the message coming to me was, the main contractors who are in a position to help aren't interested. And again, not all of them, 
just um, some of them. And, you know, I was in the industry for six years. I, I know there are good guys and bad guys. There are, there are contractors who care about their supply chain and there are those that don't. And um, heaven help you if you've got, um, if you're exposed to a contractor who feels that you're entirely dispensable. Mm. So I think that's a, a sector to watch. And bear in mind, it's also always the lead indicator. Yeah. Um, not only does construction have three times the rate of insolvency to its share of GDP, but it's always the first in first to rise in the cycle. Yeah. So again, when we get a bit of industry analysis of the insolvency numbers, I will be all over that like a rash. And I think they'll be going up um, most sharply in uh, in the construction sector. And then travel. Yes, travel. So you did a little bit of um, analysis yes. on this. Well, I, I, look, I at. look at the travel sector from time from time to time for for a number of reasons. And I last did detail research using Company Watch. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> um, in April of this year. And I was, for a number of reasons, I was moved to do it again last month, July. Right. So just three months later. And this meant looking at the latest accounts of almost 5,000 travel agents and tour operators. So this is what I call the facilitation bit of the travel industry. So it doesn't include accommodation and hotels. Yes. Um, and uh, here we are, you know, three months on, same you know, same population for the for the sample. The drop in the H scores, H scores gone down from 43 average to 40 mm-hmm. in a quarter. Yeah. Um, the number of uh, companies in the company watch warning area, exactly the same move has gone from mm. f- from 40%, well, the other way, 40% mm-hmm. to 43% oh. in a quarter. And we're starting, so this is a trickling through now of the pandemic-related um, yes. numbers, and we'll be seeing, we're starting to see debt and all those other indicators. Yes, um, and and the uh, the number of, uh, you know, my, uh, my hot topic of zombies, companies with negative balance sheets, um, they had gone up in the sample from 12% three months ago to 18%. Um, so 900... Uh, travel businesses in in my sample now have negative balance sheets. So that's interesting because the excuse is always, well, the reason why zombies are zombies is either because they're funded using the private equity model of debt rather than equity, Mm -hmm. or they're funded by director's loans. Now, that's absolutely fine. But for it to, you know, for the the percentage in the sample to go up by 50% in three months, means something else is happening. Yeah. And we know what it is. It's the bounce back. So the loans. The loans. Uh, and, no, and no income really as well. I mean obviously oh. in this this period. Well well, well now here's um, a here's a here's a number to 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 uh to make you sit up and think. Um a one of the biggest tour operators in the country has filed its accounts since I last looked. Its latest really? accounts mm-hmm. um for the year to March 2020. So that's the first year of the pandemic. Uh, March 2021 or March 2021? Yeah. Its revenue, top line revenue, dropped from around 4 billion to under 400 million. Wow. So 90%. (laughs) I mean, when I looked at it on screen on the system, I actually 
didn't know what I was looking at because the numbers were so bizarre mm. that I actually thought, what the heck's going on here? And then, I, and then of course, you start and think. So revenues dropped by 90%. And, and the other little mm. indicator, the last, last thing about this, is um, I also look at companies that have got negative working capital. Right. So their current assets are exceeded by their current liabilities, short, yep. you know, including short-term uh, bank debt. Again, um, three months ago, 13% of the travel businesses had negative working capital, and it's now 18%. Yeah. Again, so 919 of them. Which isn't surprising. And I suppose, again, here, I would be urging people to, to start looking at experiments and looking to see, well, how, how are they recovering? How are these businesses actually recovering as we come out of the pandemic? Is there a path um, yeah. to, to, you know, if they, if they are able to, um, to perhaps yeah. and, and I think get some exactly equity the, and, to, and to, to build sales? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, and that's exactly the point, because although this is about the travel sector, and we know the travel sector has been, I, I mean, I am struggling to think of any sector that's been worst, worst hit. And, and which is facing you know, continued complete uncertainty. How do you run any sort of international travel business at the moment? You know, and even yeah. in the domestic market, you've got price disruption mm. on a scale, an ex- excess of demand um, oversupply that yeah. must make it really difficult to run a, even, even a staycation business. Absolutely. At, at the moment. So, so my worry about this is, okay, this is the travel sector, but this is what's going to emerge across the economy as pandemic influenced accounts start to be filed and there of course the the issue for the companies is um creditworthiness which of course is also the issue for supply chain risk managers and for credit managers so you know um, the thing i wrote down when i looked at this the other day was you know um, the fog of opacity is clearing we are now beginning to see you know, the fog of the fog of pandemic war yeah. is is going, and we're beginning to see just how badly wounded some of the um, some of these businesses some of the, are. Some of these businesses are. Yeah. Depressing, eh? Yeah. Sorry, that on a, on a note. But as again, again, I would say that there is this lag. I mean, now more than ever, this this kind of lag of historic information and what is going to happen in the future. So, trying to to, to kind of use our kind of experiments and forward looking mm. projections will help just really understand where the where the key risks um where the key risks are on these businesses that actually if you can get some some more recent trading um information may give you some comfort um to think that these these businesses can can come out the other side but equally there will be sadly as we've seen from the insolvency numbers there will be many businesses that um that will simply not not be able to to kind of manage and yeah. um and will either call time on themselves or or be forced um by by creditor action. Nick, as always, a huge pleasure to to speak. Thank you very very much Indeed. for your time. Thanks everyone for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.